Welcome to the audio podcast of Believer's House. We are a multi-generational, multi-ethnic church in the city of Halifax, Nova Scotia, called to lead people to Jesus, make them more like Him, and see them lead others to Him. We hope this message you are about to listen to inspires you to become more like Jesus in your thoughts, words, and actions. 1 Peter chapter number 3. Let's start out in 1 Peter chapter 3. This is um, the third different portion of scripture that we are reading regarding marriage. And we're using the Passion Translation because uh, that's what I started with. And it's, uh, it's very simple and it's easier to understand what we are discussing that way. And it also gives me very interesting sermon titles. So that's why. First Peter chapter 3 from verse 1 to verse number 9. Here we go. And now let me speak to the wives. Be devoted to your own husbands so that even if some of them do not obey the word of God, your kind conduct may win them over without you saying a thing. For when they observe your pure godly life before God, it would impact them deeply. Let your true beauty come from your inner personality, not a focus on the external. For lasting beauty comes from a gentle and peaceful spirit, which is precious in God's sight and is much more important than the outward adornment of elaborate air, jewelry, and fine clothes. For women of long ago who had set their hopes in God beautified themselves with lives lived in difference to their own husband's authority. For example, our mother Sarah devoted herself to her husband Abraham and even called him master. And you have become our daughters when you do what is right without fear and intimidation. Verse 7, husbands, you in turn must treat your wives with tenderness, viewing them as feminine partners who deserve to be honored for their co-heirs, somebody say co-heirs, with you of the divine grace of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Now, this is the goal. Let's say that together. Now, Now. this is the goal. This is the goal, to live in harmony with one another and demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness towards other believers. Let humility describe who you are as you dearly love one another. Verse 9, never retaliate when someone treats you wrongly, nor insult those who insult you, but instead respond by speaking a blessing over them. Because a blessing is what God promised to give you. Glory be to God. So, verse 8 is where I'm going to focus in on, and that's where, that's where I, I drew my title from today. Um, the goal of harmony in marriage. The goal of harmony in marriage. This is the goal of marriage. The goal is to live in harmony with one another and demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness. That is the goal. That we are, we are able to live in harmony, and we have established that marriage is, 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 a, is an institution that is not just supposed to make us happy. More than that, it's actually supposed to make us holy. It's supposed to make us better. It's supposed to make us become more like Jesus because that's, that's actually what the idea was all about in the beginning. And harmony is, is best described with music. Okay, and a very simple example we, we have just seen. We see it every, every week, all right? I mean, Dimitri and Betty are the perfect example of harmony. Right? When they are actually in harmony, it's beautiful. But once in a while, when Betty tries to go on a high key, Dimeji will just relax. And you will think that he will be there to back her up, and you will not hear him. 
it's almost like, babe, I didn't send you this one I had doing. So we just abandon her. You know, so those times you can notice that there is a, you know, but most of the time they are in harmony. So it's a perfect example. It's just a perfect picture. When you, when you hear harmony is, is, is you, you, are in, you are in agreement. You are in alignment. You are, it's not, it doesn't necessarily mean that we like the same things or that we are thinking alike. No, 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 but that we are not contradicting each other, that we are not in opposition, that we are in agreement, we are in alignment, we are heading in the same direction in terms of vision, in terms of purpose, in terms of goals. So, harmony is not just survival or barely getting along. It's more than that. It's an accord. That's why they, they use that word in music. It's an accord. It, it, when you, you hear harmony, it's pleasant to the ears. It's pleasant. Uh, harmony is never something that you hear and you just feel like, okay, they're just barely getting by. No, 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 no. It's actually beautiful. The word itself means agreement. The word harmony it means agreement. It means accord and harmonious relations. So this is what we want to talk about. And we have already said that it takes two to make, to make marriage successful. Therefore, it takes two to create harmony. You can't create harmony by yourself. That's what we're saying. Harmony is not something that one person does. So most of the things that I'm going to teach today uh, are for married people, a lot of it. Uh, but if you're single and you're listening to this, you will learn a lot too from this because you are, like I said, you are in a good place because you are just starting out this journey. And it's important to understand that when you go into marriage, it's no lo- the, the, the mere concept of it means that it's no longer about you. If you want it to be about you, you've got to remain single. If it's going to be all about you, if it's going to be all about to create harmony, there has to be another person coming into the picture. It literally means that no longer can you make decisions by yourself. You are giving up the rights, the, 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 yeah, it's a right that you have, right, to make decisions on your own, to just wake up in the morning and decide that this is what I want to do. But when you get into marriage and you're trying to create harmony, whatever you, you choose to do has to be in alignment with what the other person is doing. That's the goal of marriage. That's what makes it very, very challenging. So it, it takes two to create harmony. And we said that there are no new magical principles for marriage. These principles have been around from generation to generation. It's just, can you find two people who will agree to work together and work together in agreement? That's the whole idea. If you can find two people who will make the commitment, uh, even though they are, not, they, are, they are not thinking exactly the same way, they don't like the same thing, but for the purpose of the marriage, for there to be a harmony, they will find a common ground where both people are going to give up something in order for us to achieve this harmony that we're trying to achieve. Right? When you see, you see two people singing a, a duet, it's not because um, um, each person is singing in their comfort zone, as it were. If they want to stay in their comfort zone, they will not achieve harmony. Somebody has to get out of their comfort zone. Somebody has to make some leeway for the other. They, are, they will find out which one, where, where is this singer good and where is this one weak. Then they will put the emphasis uh, uh, on the person's strength and reduce the weakness and the other way around so that Together, you can now hear something and you're like, oh my goodness, that is beautiful. All right? That is beautiful. So that's what marriage is all about. So one for the other, complementing each other, balancing each other out. This is what it's all about. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 from verse 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 from verse 9 to 10. It says, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls... The other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. 
someone who falls alone is in real trouble. This is one of the most important benefits of marriage, that you are not always going to be uh, this, this faith giant all the time. There are, there are, it's not every day that I believe uh, that I'm doing the right thing. That might shock you to hear. That it's not every day that I wake up that I've, I think that I'm doing... Some days I wish I can literally take this church, hand it over to Pastor Okay and go away. Oh, that might surprise you. There are days that that thought has entered my head before. I said, you know what, this thing that I'm doing, I don't even, look, I just want to live my life. Do you understand? I just want to live my life. There are days like that. So these are the days that she will be on fire. <laughs> and the words that are coming out of her mouth, I'll be like, okay, I think I need to wake up. <laughs> I need to step up. And there are days when she's the one who is just, you know what, what's all this church, church? Please, please, <laughs> please, let's enjoy our lives. Yeah, those are the days that I will be the one to do the encouraging. So it, 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 it says, if somebody, if you fall alone, you are in real trouble. This is why many people fall away, especially from the faith. And it's not just marriage as it were now. If you don't have any kind of genuine covenant, you know, relationship, uh, uh, marriage is the most important covenant relationship, but there are friendships that are also covenant friendships. And if you don't have that in your life, even before you get married, he says if you fall in that kind of time, you are in real trouble. You are in real trouble. And this is, this is extremely dangerous. So let's talk about three things to build together in order to achieve harmony. Okay, I'm already on my points today, so you can tell I'm not, going to be, I'm not going to be long today at all. So three things to build together for harmony. That's what we want to talk about. Uh, I can't tell you everything in one message. I'm going to just preach three points. If you ever hear me on a Sunday morning preach more than three points, because God dictated the fourth one <laughs> to me, it's always going to be three. Any other thing, I'm just going to pick the most important things. Not that, you know, like these are the only things, all right? So work on this one. Look, let me tell you the truth. The, the, there's, there's something about church and coming to church and listening to God's word. Um, if, you, if you go to a church like Believer's House where there's a lot of word, you need to be very, very careful because you can become obese. You can become spiritually what? Obese, which is that you're just hearing the word, you're just hearing the word, you're just... And, and when there's so much information, I know people right now who are believers who don't know half as much of what I know. But the little that they know, they are working with it and you can see results in their life. That's what is important. I'm telling you that's the most important thing. So you don't have to, you don't have to, the, the knowledge or um, wisdom that, that the pastor has does not benefit you in any way, except you're actually working with the one that he has shared with you. That's the truth. So you can say, oh, that pastor doesn't really know anything. I'm looking for, the pastor is loaded, loaded with the word, loaded, it's loaded. But part time, there is just so much that you can work with part time. Like, for instance, I was, I was saying to my wife when we got home on Wednesday, the message that I shared with you on Wednesday, I almost didn't share it. When I started hearing the image the previous Wednesday, I thought, okay, this guy's going to preach my message, so I better start looking for another message to share. But God said, that is the message you are going to share. But I didn't want to share it because I had taught that message before, exactly like that. I'd shared it before. And when you have, you have shared something before as a pastor, you feel like people need to hear something new. But the truth is that half of you were not even here when I shared that thing. <laughs> half of you were not here. Those of you that were here have forgotten that I shared it. You know, and when, when I got home and I looked at my phone and I saw all the responses and people were just sending me, oh, man, that message so blessed me. I'm like, which message? Which message so blessed you? This one that I just shared. So, but I'm saying to you that that simple message, if you take just that alone and you focus on that, right, and you decide that, you know what, in 2023, I'm going to see. That is the one thing that at the end of this year, I want to be able to say, when I was in, at any crossroads, I saw what God wanted me to do. Do you know your life will not be the same at the end of this year? It's as simple as that. So all I'm saying is, don't, don't always, you know, try to, to get, you know, give me 
10 points. Out of the 10, you will not remember two by next Sunday. I'm telling you, you will not. You will not. Even with the three. It's the stories that I tell you that you remember. <laughs> it's just the way the brain works. The, 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 that's why it's important to go back, listen to the tape, uh, to the tape now. I'm, I'm dating myself now. Listen to the podcast, okay, <laughs> and the YouTube, and, and try to catch up. So let's go. Number one, build harmony by building your faith. Building your faith. And we are talking about building together. together. So in marriage, there is no one person building their own faith on their... Look, what the Bible said is that you will give an individual account. But while you are on the earth, your job is for the two of you to actually build your faith together. Together. You are supposed to encourage one another. You are supposed to believe God together. You shouldn't have any faith project that your spouse does not know about. There should not be anything that you are believing God for that your spouse cannot believe God with you. That's what marriage is. That's, that's the goal of harmony in marriage. And one of the, you know, the one that we always emphasize is pray together. But praying together is just one aspect of building your faith together. It's just one aspect. It's a very important aspect, but it's just one aspect of it. So you don't have to start from, you know, and this is where it becomes overwhelming, especially for men. Uh, it becomes very overwhelming when you have a wife like my wife that wants to pray for one hour with you. I'm like, that one hour is long. Let's pray together for 15 minutes. Huh? Let's start with 15 minutes. If you can only hold hands together for 15 minutes and pray every day, and you do that consistently, it's better than praying for one hour every two months or every quarter <laughs> or every year is <laughs> one hour. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just start from the basics. Start from in the morning, wake up together, hold hands together, and thank God for one thing. Say, Father, we just want to thank you for our kids this morning. Thank you that they are growing in wisdom and stature. Start that way. After a while, you will find out that all the awkwardness and whatever will go away. And you will start, you know, being able to pray for longer. That's what I'm saying. So start from where you are. Don't feel any pressure to do something. From, no, there's no, look, the only thing we build from the top is the grave. Nobody builds anything from the top. Uh -huh. It doesn't start that way. That's why sometimes people hear me say this, and you know, my very spiritual friends will be like, are ah, you not setting the bar too low for people? So I ask them, where did the bar start for you? You that you are the big man of God now, reading your Bible for eight hours and praying in tongues for 21 hours. Where did you start? Did you, the first prayer meeting you went, was it 21 hours you started praying? You started from somewhere. So, so every one of us, and this is the power of, you know, of, of creating new habits and goals, is that the little, the little that you can do, start to do that, and do that consistently. In consistently lies the power. It's not in the length of time. It is in the consistency. That's where you will see the growth. Uh, just like the people that will go to the gym uh, for, the, for, for two days and go in front of the mirror and be checking. The major is raising his hand. <laughs> nothing happened to you. In two, nothing happened to you. No, no, no. You are only, look, you can, you can go to the gym one day, stay there for, for 12 hours. Stay in the gym for 12 hours one day. And go and check. Nothing will happen to you. But I'm telling you, if you go to that same gym, 10 minutes every day, consistently, after one month, you will see the change. Yeah, that's exactly the way it works in the spiritual. So don't put any pressure on yourself when they say, read your Bible. Look, there are days, like, like a very practical example was, which day was it that you made Akara? Was it yesterday? In fact, that Akara was like, you know where we come from? There's bean cake that we make. I've, never, I've not seen it since we came to Halifax. I don't think we have done this since we came to Halifax. I woke up in the morning and I saw bean cake on the table. I said, Jesus Christ. Look, I ate the bean cake before I read my Bible. Because I just took it like this. I, I, because I have not seen it in a long time. I was like, what is this? This is Akara. Oh, my God. I just took it. I, I said, ah, Bible before breakfast. 
So I carried my phone as I was sitting down there, and I opened a scripture. I'm telling you, this, this is literally what happened. I just opened a, a scripture as I was eating the akara. I was reading the, the thing. I was reading, I was reading the thing. I, I'm the pastor of the church. It's not you that God called. So you, you want to suffer yourself <laughs> just to be holier than, you get what I'm saying? So all I'm saying is, there will be days like that, and there will be other days where I wake up in the morning and I've, I've prayed for two hours before I even remember that there's something called food. Right? So all I'm saying is just be consistent. That's the most important thing. Matthew 18, verse number 19. Let's keep going. Matthew 18, verse 19. It says, again, I give you an eternal truth. If two of you agree to ask God for something in a symphony of prayer, my heavenly Father will do it for you. So he's, he's talking about a symphony of prayer. Symphony of prayer really doesn't mean me and you are standing in the same place and praying together. That's not what it means. It means that we are agree on what we are praying about. That's what symphony is, that we are in agreement. So you, you can be in, in, in um, uh, Spain, right, on vacation, and your husband is, is in, in Halifax, and you are in symphony of prayer. And you can be right there on your bed, holding hands together, and as she's praying, God, give us that house that costs 600000 In your heart, you're saying, we can't afford 600000 I don't know why she's praying this prayer. But as she prays, she says, Amen. <laughs> because if you don't say Amen, it will be as if you are not in agreement. So what we are saying is that it is the heart agreement that they are talking about. It's the symphony of prayer. So you, what you need to do is to have conversations around what you want to build your faith on. How you want to grow this year. How do, you, how do we want to grow in our faith? What are the, the steps that we want to take that are measurable? That we can, at the end of the, the year, say, Okay, this is how we have grown in 2023 in our faith together. So hold hands and pray. Um, well, every now and again, if possible, daily, even if it's briefly, try to do it as often as you can, all right? Take baby steps. Don't try to start from the top. Don't try to start with long prayers. That's how we get intimidated. I'm speaking for most men. We get intimidated like that. Uh -huh. We don't want to pray for long. We, don't, we have soccer to watch. We don't want to pray for long. We will pray the rest in the night. <laughs> Pastor okay, saying amen to that one. <laughs> All right, so but if it's not possible every day, then you can, you know, make it in your schedule, plan a time. Like this is how my wife and I do ours. We, we find a time, even though sometimes I am the one that breaks the thing, just because of my work schedule. But we always try to schedule a time. It's okay, this day, a social time, we'll come together, we'll pray. Especially when we're fasting, we use the guide and we pray together, we do all of that. So that is important, so that you guys are building your faith together. You are not, one person is not being left behind. And you're, so when it's time for you guys to take on faith projects together, uh, it will be easier for you to be in agreement. It will be easier for that momentum to actually work together. And this also, I like to chip in here when I talk about this, that the more fond of each other you are, the easier it is for you to build faith together. This is why it's important that the, the foundation of everything is your friendship. If you don't marry your friend, please make sure you become friends with whoever you marry. Uh, that fondness is so critical. It's critical for anything, anything at all. You don't want to pray with somebody that you're not fond of now. You don't even want to sit down with them, let alone hold hands and be praying together. You don't want that. You don't want that. So you want to, first of all, work on being fond of each other, being, liking each other, being able to sit down together, have a conversation, talk together, right? Eat together. You know, there's something, I'll say it, pollute the air together. Huh? Yeah, you have to be able to do that. Sit down together. You know, some of you, when you want to pollute the air, because your wife is there, you will, you will go to the, look at, look at you, look at you, look at you. Mess there so that she can hear the, the, the thing and you guys can, you know. I mean, like, there's a level that you will get to huh? that you, you, will, you, will, you will lose your, you will lose your, it's not because you don't respect your spouse. It's just fondness. You lose your, your inhibitions 
Yeah, when you are around your spouse, you lose your inhibitions. You are not, you are not taking them for granted, but you are not hiding yourself from them. You're not hiding yourself from them. You're not trying to make it look like, oh, I'm so, you know, uh, this is, I'm, I'm always like this. I woke up this way. You know, <laughs> like some wives, I wake up, I go and do makeup. You didn't wake up that way. We know that you didn't wake up like that. All right? So that's all I'm saying. All right? So building faith together begins with building fond- fondness. That's point number one. Let's move on. Point number two, build harmony by building intimacy. Build harmony by building intimacy. Now, if you are single, you can close your ear in this part of the message. This one is not for you. <laughs> okay? Or save it in one hard drive for the future. But I'm talking to married people right now. Okay? Have sex often if you're married. Uh, if you're, look, there are people that, I mean, one pastor was saying the other day that he was talking to one couple and they were saying, oh, they are, they are always fighting. Uh, they are having issues. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Then he asked them, how, how long is it? He just asked them, like, a, a simple, he just wanted to use that to start the conversation. How long has it been that you had, that you had intimacy? Uh, he said, four weeks. Ah. He said, how are you still alive? You husband, how are you still alive? <laughs> I, I'm, that is, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. Like, it's as simple as that. He just told them, go home. Go home. Go and sort that one out. Tomorrow, come and tell me whether you are still angry with each other. You know, there are some little things that God put in place. Uh, it's when you are single, you'll be, you'll be rush, running after it. Then when you get married, you now feel like, oh, it's such a big deal. And this, um, this, I don't know if it's, I can't even call it stigma now. It's almost like a phobia around talking about sex in church. It's like there's this massive phobia. Uh, look, if you're over 50, that's a different story, okay? For several reasons, people can slow down at that age. But you are, you are, you are my age or a little bit older, a little bit younger than me, you are... You are commanded, in Jesus' name, to be active. Huh? As long as you are married, active. Not, you don't come here and be, and be bringing up issues that, that just being together will solve the problem. You know, there are so many issues that you, just that intimacy alone will not allow those issues to arise. And this is where the conflict is, this is where the challenge is. Now, for women, typically, generally speaking now, I'm not trying to, I'm not being sexist, don't cancel me now. I'm not being, uh-huh. generally speaking, Women, you know everything now, you have to put command inside. Uh-huh. <laughs> Women generally huh, want to feel connected before they are intimate. The problem is that it's the other way around for men. Men feel connected when they are intimate. So this is where the, the challenge is. That's why you have to understand the person that you are with. And this is not for everybody. Some women is the other way around. So you need to understand your own spouse. I know you guys are looking at me and say, Pastor, you shouldn't be talking about sex in church. I will finish this message. There's no look that you give me. That I'm, you can look at me anyhow you like. I will finish because it's my... I've not even started what I really want to talk about. I will finish this message. Because some people are so... You know, and this is the problem. When, this is the secrecy that the devil wants so that he can operate with people in isolation. He doesn't want you to talk about it from the altar so that people can come up with their own ideas individually and he can, he can mess up the whole thinking around this thing. Now, there are three broad approaches when it comes to sex, especially among Christians. When it comes to, in, and I'm talking in marriage now, okay? In the context of marriage. Some people believe that sex is gross, which is that I don't like sex. It's a problem. It's, and there are so many reasons for this. Some people, it's just their, their past experiences. Some people, it's upbringing, so many things. I don't like it. It's not, it's not clean. It's not pure. Look, I will suggest that if you are not married and you, you feel that way, maybe you are one of the people that have grace to be celibate. Honestly speaking, you need to actually consider that. Maybe you are one of the people, if your disposition as a single person is that, no, it's not, it's not good, it's not holy, it's not, no, 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 no. 
<laughs> maybe, I'm, I'm serious now, maybe you should consider that. Maybe you actually have the grace to be celibate because we saw it in the first week that there are people who have that grace. Uh, yeah, so God will not put a desire. The Bible says it will, it will satisfy the desires of your heart. So he will not put a desire in you that he's not, he's not willing to satisfy. If that desire is there, you don't have that grace. I'm telling you now. <laughs> so if you are single and you have that desire that, ah, when I get married, oh my God, <laughs> it's going to be a jolly. You don't have the, I'm just telling you now, you don't have that grace. <laughs> so you should find a godly spouse. That's what the Bible says. For the, for, so that to avoid immorality, you need to find your own spouse. The second group of people are the people that understand that sex is good. So the first set of people think sex is, sex is gross. It's just this thing that is just bad. And sometimes it's just the world system that has made people think that way. Uh, we, we, you know, the, the way that the world has portrayed it and bastardized the whole idea. So number two is sex is, sex is good, okay? Sex is good, which is that it is a perfect gift from God, period. And it is supposed to be used in the context of marriage. That's number two. Now, finally, there are other people who, who, who think that sex is God. So these are people that the answer to everything is sex. Uh-huh. Breakfast, what do you want for breakfast? What do you want for lunch? Sex. What do you want for dinner? Sex. Uh, we are fighting. How do we make up sex? That's a problem. That's not okay. Uh-huh. That's when it, is, uh, it has become an addiction because everything has to be in moderation. That is the philosophy of the Christian walk. Everything has to be in moderation. But I don't want you to be in this house and to have this idea that oh, there's something bad about sex. If you have that idea, it's probably due to things that you have exposed yourself to. It is a perfect gift that God has given couples to enjoy in the context of marriage. Say amen to that. Amen. All right. And it doesn't have to be great all the time. Uh, it doesn't have to be super all the time or super athletic every single time, but it has to be good. Good means that your, your, there is mutual enjoyment. There is harmony. There is no, you know, not one person, uh, there's no lopsided um, um, uh, satisfaction in it. You guys are talking about it. And the biggest problem is that Especially Christian couples, they don't want to talk about sex. Okay, we'll keep going. All right, so what, what was I saying? See, now I've forgotten what I was saying. What was I even saying? I know you people don't want me to talk about I will finish this, this sex matter. I will finish it. Uh-huh. All right, so there is the awkwardness around talking. I'm sure they did this microphone by, by intentionally so that I will stop. I'm not going to stop. This one, I will finish it. All right. <laughs> so please don't take away that awkwardness. Take away that awkwardness. This is something that every time you shy away from talking about this in a godly way, you are giving the devil more ground. You are literally handing over territory to the devil. And he's just polluting people's minds with all sorts of things and communicating all sorts of ideas to people because nobody is talking about it from the pulpit. And, and when people talk about it from the pulpit, it's the same reaction. It's an awkwardness. People just feel like, ah, ah. Souls are perishing. Why are we talking about sex? Should we be willing souls? Why are we talking about sex in the church? But when you leave this building, half of the time in your day is devoted to thinking about it. If you are a man. If you are a man. Half of, I'm telling you half of your day is either devoted to thinking about what will happen in the night or delivering yourself from temptation. So every evil that you see, you are canceling it. It's devoted to it. You don't want to admit it, but it's the truth. So why not, you know, learn the godly perspective to it and expose yourself to that instead? So I want to, I want to challenge you. Please take away the awkwardness uh, from, from don't just endure stuff and, and not say anything. You don't like something, but you will not talk. How, I'm not Jesus Christ of Nazareth. How is the person supposed to know <laughs> that you don't like it? You, get, you guys need to talk about this stuff and communicate. Every single thing in marriage is centered around communication. If you're not talking, the person cannot know 
You say, yeah, but you should know what I'm thinking now. You should be able to read my mind. I'm not a mind reader. You get this communication that helps to make those things happen. So it's a gift that needs to be shared in marriage. And I need to stress here, when we say that we are talking about harmony in marriage, what it means when it comes to sexual relations is this, that sex is not something that you do in isolation in marriage. It's not exclusive to you. I know I'm getting very deep now, but I will, I will go there because somebody needs to say this thing. That it's not something that you, you can't, there is, no, there is no individual enjoyment of sex when it comes to marriage. It is about the other person. That's what I'm, what I'm trying to say. Let me show you from scripture. First Corinthians, let's read First Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3 and 4. It says, a husband has the responsibility of meeting the sexual needs of his wife and likewise a wife to are you with me? Likewise, a wife to her husband. Neither the husband nor the wife has exclusive rights to their own bodies. But those rights are to be surrendered to the other. So what he's saying is that you don't have the right to do whatever you like with your own body in marriage. That that right, you have surrendered it to your spouse. So you don't, you... I'm just trying, I'm just trying to calm down so that I don't say too much. But I hope that the Holy Spirit is with you where you are seated and you understand what I'm saying. You cannot meet your own sexual need in marriage, period. In marriage, that does not exist. So sexual satisfaction in marriage is what your spouse provides to you, not what you give yourself. Yeah, that's where I'm going. So please understand that. That if anything you are doing in marriage that is about you satisfying yourself is wrong. That's, that's what the scripture says. I didn't say that. It says it is about it's your responsibility is to meet the other person's needs. So when you're, when, when you're done and you feel like, yeah, that was good for me, what about him? What about her? That's what you need to be concerned about. That's the whole idea because th that in marriage is the only thing that they cannot go elsewhere. I, I, I tell my wife all the time, when she, 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 start, she, she can ask me 12 times in a day if I've eaten and what I want to eat. So I always joke with her and tell her that you see this food of a matter, eh? I can take care of it by myself. If you vex and you don't give me food, I will just enter the car and go to McDonald's and go and buy something to eat. You will not come to church and say that I cheated on you if I do that. But if I go and look for another woman, that's where there's a problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's the mindset that you have to have, that this, my partner is the, is the only source. I'm the only source of sexual satisfaction for my spouse. So you have to treat it that way and not use it as a weapon against them where it now becomes a tool. This is what I wanted to say last, last Sunday, where you, now, you are now using it as, they offended you, then you, you pack up and close shop. <laughs> say, if you don't apologize, <laughs> then no, nothing for you <laughs> today. You don't have that right. That's what he said. He said you don't have that right. That right, you surrendered it the day you made your vows. You surrendered that right. And this is so important. Please, somebody needs to say this thing, okay? You might not like me again, but I will say, Wednesday I will preach deep revelation, deep from the Bible. Greek and Hebrew, I'll preach it on Wednesday. But today, this is the message, okay? So talk about it and be comfortable talking about it. That's how you build intimacy. That's the way you build harmony. So, point number three. You build harmony by building trust. By building trust. Proverbs chapter 31, from verse 10 to 12. Proverbs 31, 10 to 12. It says, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. I've told you, trust is the most precious commodity that you have in marriage. Trust in a marriage relationship is the most important thing. Colossians 3 verse 19, so that you don't say it's just, it's just talking to the woman. It says, let every husband be filled with cherishing love for his wife 
and never be insensitive towards her. When we, when we keep secrets, when we, we, we don't open up, and this is more challenging for husbands because, you know, you want to, you want to feel like the, like the man, like you are, you know, macho, self-contained. You know, that's what I call it. Like you can, you can deal with everything. So it's, it's, it's more difficult, generally speaking, for men to be vulnerable in marriage. But that's the way you build trust. That's the way you build trust. Let her know that you are not always, like you don't always have it together. You know, like single brothers, because they've told you that, you know, if you tell a girl that you don't have vision, they will not marry you. Yeah, then they now come and say, what's your 10-year vision? And say, they say, yeah, 10-year plan. Look, look at the, the daughter of Zion in the face and tell her, I don't know. I'm just walking with God every day. Yeah, say that. I don't know. Like the other day, my wife was asking me, uh, do I have any bucket lists or any dream or anything? By the way, I have now. I want to go to the city of Manchester Stadium to watch Manchester City play. <laughs> and I'm saying it from the altar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, she didn't guess it. So she was asking me that, do I have any, any dream of traveling or anything? And I always say that, even before I came to Canada, I, I, I'm not ashamed to say that I'm not a well-traveled person. Like you always say, I've always believed that there are two things in life that are important. You are either well-traveled or well-read. I'm not well-traveled, but I am well-read. That one, I can say it anywhere. Uh-huh. I, I, I'm, I, have, I have read more books than the average human being. <laughs> so that's how I, 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 I get a lot of the information that I have. So, but to... To go to places physically, I've never really been to a lot of places. In fact, I didn't leave Nigeria until it was time to come to Canada. Not once. I've gone to, you know, states, like, around, but I never, I didn't even go to Ghana. Not even Kotonu. Even though we're living in Badagri, I never crossed the border. Yeah, even though Badagri was just the border. I could have just said, just to say that I've gone to another country, <laughs> you know. But I read a lot of books, right? So she was asking me, that, do I have any bucket list where I want to travel to or anything like that? And I just simply said, I don't have. You know, but I could have tried to, you know, sound like, because they say, ah, you have to be well-traveled, otherwise you are not smart. Then I'll now create something up. And I'll say, no, 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 be, be open to say, I don't know. There are some things that, that you ask me about the church and say, you know, like, for example, we're talking about it, that why haven't I released the calendar for the year? I have it. But I've told I said, some of these things, I'm not yet sure. In fact, I don't even know whether we're supposed to invite guest minister this year or not. I don't know. Right now, I'm not sure. I'm still praying about that. To say, God, do you want us to invite guest minister or do you want us to focus on the finances of the church and get into a, a stable place, a comfortable place where we know that, you know, not like we are resting on our oars, but we know that we are not in debt or we are not struggling. We are not, because it's, it's expensive to, to invite people. You know, all these things that we do, it's very, very expensive. It takes a lot. So, you know, so I'm not ashamed to say, oh, I don't know yet. That's why I haven't given any date. In fact, BH 101, we're supposed to do it in February. I kept praying, I kept praying. I didn't get any release. I just kept moving it until I got a date that I felt, yeah, this is it. You know, so don't be ashamed to say, you know, to open up. That's all I'm saying. Or to be vulnerable. Or to, to exp- the only person that you can really be, be honest and open with is your spouse. All right? So that's very important. That's the way you build trust in a marriage. Then again, you need to be accountable which is that you submit your relationship to a trusted Christian couple. So when we were talking last week, I talked about the fact that you should not expose your spouse's weakness in public. This is very different. Because some people can hear that and say, okay, but they say we should not speak bad about our spouse. No, no, no. Speaking bad about your spouse is not in terms of accountability. Yeah, you have to have somebody that you are comfortable with, the both of you, that you, can, that you trust, that you look at. And, and, and thank God, in this church, we have, we have a lot of uh, 48 years old marriages inside this church. <laughs> so, so if you don't like 10 years, think 10 years. This ones, they don't really know what they're doing. There's 48 years. 
<laughs> so, so all I'm saying is it could be where you're coming from. It could be from anywhere, you know, like, like we, the people that we know that if we have any issue that we can reach, they're not even here in Canada, uh, in, in Halifax, rather, right? So you, you must have a couple. You must have, you as the husband must have somebody, she must have someone. It better still if the both of you can agree on the, on the couple that you are, you are looking up to, right? That you can, if there's a challenge, something is going on, that you can open up to and say, this is exactly what is going on. Right? And, and they'll help you through that process because you trust them and you look at their lives and you see examples of what you would like to see in your own marriage. Not that they have a perfect marriage because that doesn't exist anywhere. That marriage doesn't exist, but you can see examples in other people. So this is important. So I don't want people to hear that and think, oh, they are saying I should, I should never speak you know, evil. Of, I'm thinking about uh, a couple now that, that you know, by the grace of God that we mentor. Um, you know, we, we walk them through a lot of things. And then one day, the husband sent me a message and said, I'm sure he's watching and smiling. Sent me a message and said, um, ah, P.S., I just wanted to apologize for how oh, I'm always talking bad about my wife to you. I said, no, you are not talking bad about your wife to me. You are telling me exactly what is going on. And my job is to, is to, be, to protect your identity, number one, and then to, to be able to walk you through that and to help you through that, right? That's the whole idea. So you must have that that marriage, um, that couple that you are, you, are, you are, and if you don't have it, pray about it and let God show you, let God lead you, as we have been talking about, let him guide you uh, to somebody that you can be accountable to. You don't want to marry a man that is not accountable. You don't want to be in a marriage relationship with a man that is not accountable. I'm thinking of, of one example now, but my wife will scold me because she has said I should stop using people that have left the church as example, and I'm trying this year in Jesus' name that I will not do it. Amen. But I want to use this one. <laughs> I'm just joking. All right, so be accountable. All right, don't do marriage alone, all right? It's down to the two of you. It's down to the two of you. But you will have times when you need help and a separate set of eyes to help walk you through things. You need that, that external set of eyes that, that are godly. Um, I keep saying that godly set of eyes that will help you walk you through things. Um, there are people that have been through things that you don't even know exist in the world. There are some challenges in marriage that you don't even know exist that when that time comes, you don't, want to, you don't want that to be, they say experience is the best teacher, but actually other people's experience is the best teacher. Is the best teacher. You don't want to get stranded. Like somebody who came from, um, one video that somebody sent to me, that the, the person came from Nigeria to, to the UK. That's what they call it now, is Jakba in Nigeria. They, when they come from Nigeria, they say they have Jakba. So the guy Jakba to UK, and he was stranded. The person who helped him, who he paid, they left him stranded. So he was there at the airport. So if such a person had, re I'm not blaming the person, I'm just saying, it's better to have information before you actually arrive, such that even if they leave you stranded, you know what to do. You know where you are going. You have read about it. You have studied about it. You have listened to other people's examples. You know, like what Dimitri was telling you. Before they came here, we had conversations. And that's just somebody coming from BC to Halifax, not that, you know, going to another country altogether. It's to know, okay, what's going on there? Like, how is the place? What is the whole thing about, all right? So that is the same thing with marriage. You don't want to just walk into things. You want to be able to say, okay, this is what, what will happen in the future and be prepared for that. So it's not to report your spouse and paint them bad to people uh, because, honestly, after some time, I've learned, after some time of talking to couples, I've learned that the couples will always be all right. If they want to be, I'm telling you, they will always be all right. How they will settle it, you will not know. It will be in the midnight. You will be snoring. They will settle the matter. Then you will be the common enemy. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've seen it over and over again. You will be the common enemy. Right? They will not be, it will not be you 
that is the problem. <laughs> you that were trying to help them. So sometimes I just tell couples, and like what that pastor was saying, when was the last time that you were intimate? God gave you that gift for a particular, there's a reason why he gave you that gift. And this is another, another reason why you, you cannot afford to have separate bedrooms. You say, oh, because you have too many rooms in your house. And, and I understand that after some time, there will be some logistics that might, that might, um, that might mean that maybe you need some more space. But your bed, I'm saying your bed. Huh? Even the Bible talks about the marriage bed. It's not plural. <laughs> There's a reason why it's not plural. So there has to be a marriage bed because God knows that some things will happen on that bed that counseling will not do. Yeah, there are some things that I cannot counsel you out of. It will take place there. It will take, and the issue will be resolved. So I'm, I'm talking like this this morning, and I'm, I always take time every year to preach this kind of message because I don't do counseling. If you come, huh, and you come and say, oh, we want to box each other, I will show you scriptures. <laughs> scriptures is what I will show you. Then I will give you the message, this message that I'm preaching, I will give it to you to go and listen to it and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Because I don't have three hours to sit down and be discussing, I don't have it. Like, I, I'm not saying it out of pride or anything. I literally do not have the three hours. I can't afford it. <laughs> I don't have it. So, so you, this is why I always trust God, that when I preach, and God has, has shown over and over again that he counsels people just by me, me teaching like this. Uh, and, uh, and most of the people that watch online are the ones that really benefit of, uh, out of this stuff. And they're like, okay, that thing you said, it actually helped me in this thing. So please listen with that and understand that so many things, if you just stay with God, God will show you examples. He will show you things that you need to do. So let's keep moving and tie it up. Marriage challenges, I want you to understand that they are not unique to you. Um, there are people that have gone ahead of you and have, they, have, they have actually successfully navigated some of these challenges uh, that you are facing. All right? All right. Let me, let me just find a way to, to tie everything up here. Okay. Let me talk about if you have, because um, it's a very touchy area. Uh, I'll just use my, my last few minutes to talk about this. If you have, what if you have an abusive spouse? Let's say, for instance, you say um, you, don't want to, you don't want to talk bad about them, but the, the spouse is slapping you or they are beating you. Look, if you are in this church and somebody is slapping you, come and live inside my house, my own house, my basement. If, somebody, if your husband or your wife is slapping you in this church, pack your load, come and live inside my basement. I will go and replace you in the house. Huh? We will have a conver- I'm serious about this. We will have a conversation about this matter, me and your spouse. Maybe they will slap me. Then I will, I will show them what it means to slap. <laughs> How slaps are supposed to be responded to. <laughs> then we'll sort it out. Because that is the only scenario where you cannot look, 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 look. You can only achieve harmony if you are alive. Did you hear what I said? Uh-huh. The only scenario where you will achieve harmony. There's no harmony with the dead, though. If they punch you and you, you faint and don't wake up, there's no harmony with the dead. So all I'm saying is, for that kind of scenario, there has to be separation. First of all, you have to get away from that situation. I'm not saying you are going to divorce them or do whatever, but there's work that needs to be done to fix that issue. And if you are single, you are dating somebody and they slap you, and you come and say, come and marry me. Ah. Look, the day somebody raises their hand, ask my wife, she's sitting down here, we have been together now, what now? Before we got married, now the whole time that we have been together, probably 19 years or something now. Right? That we have been together, that I've known her. I've never once. She has provoked me, oh. Ah, in fact, there's one that I'm, I still remember. You know, Bible says, Bible does not actually say forgive and forget. It just says forgive. So there are some things that you cannot forget. Like, I remember one particular one that I was standing in front of our house in Surrey. She said something to me that I said, ah, 
In my, I don't deserve this. In my life, I don't deserve this. <laughs> I could not even re- respond. And the, the kind of response is, if it was a guy, I would probably have charged at him to say, what do you mean? You know when you're in high school, like, when somebody says something about it, I don't like your tone. I don't like your tone. <laughs> and you bounce, like, watch yourself. <laughs> if, you, if you do that with your spouse, then you don't understand what marriage is about. You are not yet ready. You are not mature enough for marriage. So if somebody can lift up their hand in marriage, I, look, you will restrain yourself. There's no, no, no condition. There's no, even if they call your mother, you cannot slap the person that you are married to. Even if they insult your mother. Do you hear what I said? So if somebody slaps you in a courtship relationship, that is the end of the courtship. I'm begging you because, look, you say, oh, sorry, no, it's just a mistake. There's no mistake in slap. Do you know what it takes to lift up your hand and, and wound somebody in the face? There's no mistake. So don't, don't make, you know, make stuff up and say, oh, there's a mistake. It's just, it's just made a, a one-time. It's just the pastor. It's just a one-time mistake. The problem is that we are afraid. When things like that happen, you are, you are, you are thinking about it and you are saying, ha, where am I going to find another spouse? You know, before this one came, Seth, it was prayer point. <laughs> so where am I going to find another person? That's your main challenge. All I'm saying to you in a nutshell, I'm just trying to make it light by putting jokes in it. But the bottom line is, if they, somebody lifts up their hand against you in a courtship relationship or before you marry the person, please walk away. And you guys, I'm begging you, because now in the church, we have a lot of, I don't know where all the single ladies are. We have a lot of guys here, in case you are looking for husband. They are single brothers. There are plenty here. And they are all very handsome and hardworking. You should have seen them today clearing the snow. Hardworking men. So be sitting down there at home and be saying, where's my husband? Some of them might be here. So all I'm saying is, you are in this church don't, please, I'm begging you, no matter what somebody does, they provoke you. Look, you are better off walking away. Carry your key and disappear. Go, go, enter your car, go away somewhere and go on. It's better than you. Look, the physical act of violence, apart from legal consequences, is the only thing you can't take back. So I say, oh, I, I unpunch you. There's nothing like that. There's no undo, control Z to, to slap. No, you have slapped the person, you have, and they will never forget that, that feeling of it. Never. Never. Every time you say something, have you seen couples that are talking and the wife is moving back because the husband has started raising their voice? That's where it comes from. Because they feel like, ah, before you know it now, this guy might, might get upset. So, please, oh, that's the only condition. And don't keep quiet about that. Something is going on in your marriage. Your, your, and again, these days, you know, you might be, you might be thinking in your head that husband, uh, uh, husbands are the ones that, that are being violent to the wife. <laughs> I, I beg to differ. I beg to differ. By virtue of my own profession and what I do for a living, I beg to differ, especially in Canada. The percentage is actually higher now. Yeah, of, of wives that will tell the husband, I will beat you. When I finish beating you, I will tell the police when they come that you are the one that beat me. And yeah, and of course, they will believe her because she is a woman. They will believe her. So I'm begging you, be, watch yourself. If you start, and we have guys that once they, once they get to that point, they'll just, they just start finding a way out of the thing. I say, because I know that when they come now, you will say, I'm the one that beat you. So the, the, the wise thing to do is take yourself out of that situation and don't, 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 you know, not even when you are not married, don't exact any kind of physical violence towards anybody uh, because they said something about you or said something about your parents. So that's very important. All right, Proverbs chapter 11, um, verse 14. Proverbs 11, verse 14 says, Where no, guide, no wise guidance is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors there is safety. So this is why you need to, you need to find a couple that you can submit your, your relationship to, okay? You don't want to have um, two visions in a marriage. You want, to have, you want to have one, one vision, where you guys are working together to achieve one thing. 
that you both agree to work together and you work together in agreement. According to Amos 3.3, will two people work together unless they have agreed to do so? And, and when, when people start focusing on different things, this is where division comes in. All right? And this is how people start to grow apart. So we want to work on building harmony in our marriages. All right, so let's start it up this way. We have said it takes two. Everything we have said from the very beginning is not something that one person can do by themselves. It takes the two of you agreeing that this is what we are committing to. Most of you, both of you must be committed to practicing these principles to make things work. It takes 100% from both parties. All right, let's bow our heads. Thank you for listening to this message from Believer's House. We hope you've been blessed. Please visit us at www.believershouse.church for more information about our church or to send us your questions, comments, and feedback. We hope to see you again soon.